Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. Anytime you're in Huntsville, we hope you'll come be part of our worship. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. We hope you'll enjoy this lesson brought to us by Glenn Colley. The scripture for today is Acts 8, 26-31. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come on, come up and sit with him. The Gaza Strip, I understand, has two cities in it. I don't know what it's going to be after we're finished with the war, but uh, originally it was one city, and it wasn't the Gaza Strip, it was just Gaza. I promised uh, tonight that I would spend a little bit of time talking about Ishmael, and I want to start with that. Islam is obviously a large world religion, but it's interesting that it traces its heritage back to circumventing Isaac, back to Ishmael, the oldest son of Abraham, the one born of Hagar. And the question is, why did God make a great nation of Ishmael? And this was a head-scratcher. I mean, this is tough because we know that what resulted from this sinful and unfortunate union between um, Abraham and Hagar came this, this terrible nation. But what, what we understand also is that it was something that God said he would do. Here's Genesis chapter. I'm going to give you what I think is the right answer, and, and you can think it over. In, in Genesis 16, 9, or perhaps 10, behold, you're with child, Hagar, You'll bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard your affliction. He shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. That's prophecy. It was before Ishmael was born, but it's a pretty apt description, don't you think, of jihadists. Here's Genesis 12, the first verse. The Lord said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Listen closely to the promise God made to Abraham. I think this is the key. I'm not saying it's going to satisfy you, but I still think it's the key. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you shall all families of the earth be blessed. The question is, can we see two promises here? Not just one. We understand the big one. The big one, of course, is the Messiah is going to come to the seed line of of Abraham. But is there another one here? Is there a general physical descendants promise? And additionally, a specific one about the Messiah. 
If we say yes, then we understand that what God was doing was fulfilling his promise. So here's Genesis chapter 17, verse 19. God said, no, Sarah, no, I'm sorry, no, Sarah, your wife shall bear you a son and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I've heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. He shall beget 12 princes and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time. Set time next year. And he finished talking with God and God went up to Abraham. So I believe that's got to be the answer. Now, uh, let's talk about Gaza. In 2007... The governing body that was put in position over Gaza was Hamas. And I don't have to define Hamas to you. You've seen, you've seen them enough on television. You know what that was. And Hamas then made sure ever since to brutally crack down on and execute their opponents. In addition to that, Israel and Egypt... Now, I'm not, I'm not trying, this is, again, it's not a political lesson, it's this biblical, but I just want to make sure that you have this picture. There's a, there's a fence around Gaza. There are two entrances or exits, and one is down at the southern part on the border of Egypt. The other one is up a little higher, a little north of that, and it's Israel's. And so those are highly, highly regulated, highly guarded. Humanitarian rights organizations sometimes call it an open-air prison. 50% poverty rate, one of the highest unemployment rates in the living world. Conditions are, are bad, and that was before the bombings. Now, you say, well, it is, a, it is run by a terrorist organization. What do you expect? All right, all right, fine. It's interesting to me that they have colleges there, small manufacturing industry, entrepreneurs, some farmers, but UN agencies have spent almost four and a half billion dollars between 2014 and 2020. Now, what I, I gave you that data because, and there's just so much, there's so much history and so much that's political that goes into all of this that we're not going to talk about. I just say that to say this is a very complicated issue. This thing between Israel and the Arabs, the Palestinians, it is terribly complicated. And um, I believe there's a lot of fault to be had on both sides of this coin. Now, having said that, that's the political part. I want to do something biblical. And what I want to do tonight is pretty simple, and I'm not going to talk a long time. At least I don't plan to. But there are five or six interesting incidents that occurred at Gaza. And so I just want to touch on them. It's just because I want you to be able to think about them when you hear Gaza brought up, and you're going to be hearing it a lot. Cindy and I, through the years, have enjoyed visiting places of history. And we've been to Monticello, Jefferson's place, and... We've been to Mount Vernon, Washington's place. You can, you can see the bedroom where Washington expired. And that's, you know, you walk up a staircase and you say, why would you want to see that? Why? why? But, 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 and the answer is because 
There's something a little transportive. You're sort of transported back. I've been in the White House. Cindy and I have been in the White House in the part, not the, well, not the upstairs part, but the part that they'll let you come into. And you stand there in the room where Lincoln and Kennedy were, were lying in state, laying in state there. And you can imagine the people passing by and seeing Abraham Lincoln in that casket there in that room. And you can stand in that room and just soak that in. Well, I just think, I, I do not know what's going to happen with Israel and Gaza. And, and so maybe the better way to say, as things seem to be unfolding, I don't know what's going to happen in Gaza. Uh, the, the Israelis are saying what they're going to do is just to annihilate Hamas. Well, that's a pretty big deal. And I don't, you know, what's left after you do that, I don't know. So there's a lot of bad stuff going on that's awful, and we're going to pray about that a lot as we watch it unfold. Having said that, when you hear Gaza, I want you to be able to think about Scripture and the interesting things that happen. So let's get started. Number one, Judah inherited Gaza and failed to remove all the Canaanites who were there. Now remember what happened when you get to the book of Joshua and and, uh, the people of Israel are going into the promised land and Joshua leads them and they come to Jericho first and they just take it apart. The command of God was, I want you to run the Canaanites out of this land of Canaan. Bear in mind, it had two purposes. One was to give the Israelites their inheritance, their God-given place, Canaan, It was a promise to Abraham, and now's the time. But it had a secondary purpose, and that was the Canaanites were were idolatrous people. They were opposed to Jehovah God, and, and God was wanting to punish them. So it had a dual purpose here. There was a warning. The warning to Israel was, when you go in, I want you to destroy the Canaanites. Those you don't kill, you run out. I want you not to make alliances with them. I want you not to let your daughters marry their sons or vice versa. Here's Deuteronomy 7, verse 1. When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites, Girgashites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you, And when your Lord God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy on them. Don't make marriages with them. Don't give your daughter to their son, son to your daughter, because they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. So the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. Is that a stout threat or what? But thus you shall deal with them. You'll destroy their altars, break down their sacred pillows, pillars, cut down their wooden images, and burn their carved images with fire, because you're a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. Judah was allotted among the other territory, Gaza. But then you have this note in Judges of 1, verse 18, about, about Judah and Gaza. Also, Judah took Gaza with its territory, Ascalon with its territory, Ekron with its territory. So the Lord was with Judah. And they drove out the mountaineers, but they could not drive out the inhabitants of the lowland because they had chariots of iron. Incidentally, the, the Philistines then took over Gaza in the 12th century, 
And the Philistines made Gaza one of their chief cities, their five chief cities, which brings us to number two. And that is the book of Judges and Samson. Now, I'm I'm in Samson, or Judges chapter 16 and verse 3. Now, you remember that he's born in chapter 13. Let's just hit the high caps of Samson. And you remember this. And so he's born, and his parents know that he's unusual, he's different. Chapter 14, he's a grown man, and he says, I, I saw a woman, a woman of Timnath, said to his parents, I want you to go get her for me. Timnath is Philistine. They're, they're Canaanitish people, and they're, they're not godly people. And, but he's, he's a womanizer. Samson is a judge of Israel, but good man, he is not. And so you remember that they prepared a wedding for him. They had this, um, this I, don't, I guess they were bachelors, 30 companions, and they were having this celebration for the wedding that was about to happen or maybe had just happened. And Samson proposes a riddle that could not be solved. And the 30 men, there was a pretty high stake on this bet, and, and it couldn't be solved because of the nature of the riddle. And his bride tells the secret to the 30 companions and just turns everything upside down. And Samson is furious and he, um, he leaves. I don't want you anymore. I'm done with you, woman. And he leaves. Now he gets lonely by and by. And so he goes back to get her. Well, she's married to somebody else. And so Samson takes foxes. 300 foxes ties their tails together with torches and burned up the Philistines' fields and their grain and their olive uh, groves and their vineyard. He took the jawbone of an ass and killed 1,000 Philistines. And then in chapter 16, he gets lonely again and he goes to Gaza and he finds a harlot there and he employs her. The Philistines surround the house. They know he's in there. They want him dead real bad. And they surround the house. They're going to wait until morning and then pounce on him and kill him. But at midnight, he goes out. Now they've locked up the gates, but he goes and takes the gates and pulls the gates up and he carries them on his back. I'm in Judges 16.3. Now Samson lay asleep till midnight. At midnight he got up and took hold of the doors of the city gate, the two doorposts, pulled them up along with the bars, put them on his shoulders, and he carried them to the top of the mountain, which is opposite Hebron. It is also then, so, so he escaped. He left the harlot in Gaza. And um, when the Philistines finally capture him, they, they extradite him back to Gaza. It is in Gaza that, that Samson is going to push those pillars over and he'll die there. When you think about Gaza, you might think about Samson. Judges 16, verse 28. Here's number three. The Ark of the Covenant. What, what, uh, what, rings your, what comes to your mind in 1 Samuel chapter 4 through 6 about the Ark? So Israel was fighting the Philistines. And, and one, somebody got the idea, the bright idea, that the Ark of the Covenant could be used as an amulet. It could be used as a good luck charm. I got to go get it. And they bring it from Hebron, and, and they, want it to ha- they want to have it there in the camp. And they're so convinced that the Ark of the Covenant is going to mean they have victory. Is they shout. They just make a big hoopla over having the Ark in their campground. The Philistines hear this, 
and they, they get wind of what's going to happen. I mean, that they, they have the ark. And so they're, they're scared, and the Philistines just run on them with everything they've got. And there's a mighty victory for the Philistines. And in the process, the Philistines take the Ark of the Covenant back with them. They steal it. Spoil of war, I guess. And so they take it and put it in the room with Dagon. Dagon is one of their idols. Now this gets pretty funny. The whole thing's kind of funny. I guess it's dark, but it's pretty funny. The next morning, the Philistines come in. Remember, the, the Dagon is on his face. And so they set him back up again. And the next morning, Dagon's on his face. I think he's broken his hands now. So he's kind of a mess. And they get this thing figured out. But not just that. They've got a physical problem. They, um, they have tumors. King James is a little more graphic about that. And I'm going to leave that to you. But they're in lots of pain. And they decide to send the Ark of the Covenant back to the Israelites. We don't want it anymore. We don't like this. And along with that, the Ark of the Covenant, they sent some golden tumors, which again, I think is very funny. They just just want to to make good on this. And here's, here's where I'm coming with this. This is 1 Samuel 6 and verse 17. They offered an offering to Israel It's like with with our apologies, we want to return the Ark of the Covenant. 1 Samuel 6, verse 17. These are the golden tumors, the golden tumors which the Philistines returned as a trespass offering to the Lord. One for Ashdod, one for Gaza. See, these are the five main cities of the Philistines, and Gaza is one of them. One for Gaza, one for Ashkelon, one for Gath, and one for Ekron. Number four. In 1 Kings chapter 4 and verse 24, you have Saul and David and the Philistines. And the Bible says this, Judah and Israel were numerous as the sand by the sea multitude, eating and drinking and rejoicing. So Solomon reigned over all kingdoms from the river to the land of the Philistines as far as the border of Egypt. They brought tribute and served Solomon all the days of his life, for he had dominion over all the region on this side of the river from Tipsah, even to Gaza. Gaza fell to Israelite rule under King David in the early uh, 11th century BC. And then when Israel fell, uh, Gaza is part of that. Gaza went along with that. All right, here's the last one. And this one, I think this one probably gives me the most pleasure because it's in the New Testament, because it has to do with obeying the gospel. And maybe, maybe you remember this, and we were talking about it in Kids Sing just a moment ago. The Bible says that when the Philippian, um, when the Ethiopian eunuch was traveling and was reading from Jerusalem, he left Jerusalem, he was reading from Isaiah the prophet, that he was going from Jerusalem to Gaza. That's where he was headed. And he listened to the gospel from Philip, who preached Jesus to him, And he was baptized. One must wonder where the gospel goes from there at the hands of the Ethiopian eunuch, who is now a Christian. And perhaps it's incidental, but it's interesting that when you think about Gaza, you can remember that's where he was headed, and that's what's mentioned in Acts chapter 8. It's been a good day, and God's blessed us in so many different ways. We had a 
great crowd today. I don't know what the number was, but it was really a good crowd and lots of people who are visiting. We have visitors here tonight. It's good to have you. I hope you have a great work week or whatever you're planning to do and that God will bless all that you do. Maybe there's someone here tonight who wants to obey the gospel and we want to offer our assistance for you to do that. If you've repented of your sins and you're ready to confess Jesus, that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the implication of that is very, very broad. I believe he's him. Then you can be immersed in water to have your sins washed away. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word, brought to us by Glenn Colley. If you have comments or questions, Glenn can be reached by email at colley at westhuntsville.org.